Hi, my name is Cheryl Crow, and I am passionate about helping people navigate real life with arthritis. I've lived with rheumatoid arthritis for 17 years, and I'm also a mom, teacher, and occupational therapist. I'm so excited to share my tricks for managing the ups and downs of life with arthritis. Everything from kitchen life hacks to how to respond when people say you don't look sick, stress, work, sex, anxiety, fatigue, pregnancy, and parenting with chronic illness. No topic will be off limits here. I'll also talk to other patients and share their stories and advice. Think of this as your chance to sit down and chat with a friend who's been there. Ready to figure out how to manage your arthritis life? Let's get started. I'm so excited today to have our first dentist to come on to the arthritis podcast. And this is Vic Dr. Victoria Sampson. Welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's really exciting to be the first dentist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And can you just give the audience a quick introduction to yourself, like where you live and what kind of, I guess, what kind of dentistry you practice? Yeah, so um, I'm a dentist. Um, I live in central London. I work um, private. So I'm a private dentist. I work in two clinics in London. Um, and basically my journey into maybe the more holistic side of dentistry started during COVID. Um, in the first few months of COVID, um, dentists weren't allowed to work. Everything was shut down. And I found for like the first time in my life, I had a lot of time to do nothing and I didn't know what to do with myself. So I started to do a lot of research um, and I just locked myself up in a room and I started uh, writing a very big paper on the potential connection between COVID-19 and oral health. And um, what we found was that actually poor oral health increases your risk of gum disease. Sorry, poor oral health increases your risk of COVID complications um, by nine times. And um, really, really, you're much more likely to go into ICU. Um, and we found that it was the same kind of inflammatory markers that were increased in gum disease that are also increased in, gum, in COVID. And um, so if you get COVID, it's just like multiplied by 10 because you already have inflammation in your mouth. Um, and so that really opened the doors for me into a whole world where I was like, wow, I mean, yes, we're, we're cleaning mouths, we're trying to stabilize the oral health, but actually the implications on the rest of the body are huge. Um, and that's where it just completely, I started doing microbiome testing. I started to look into the saliva a little bit more, understand what bacteria does in your mouth and how it can be found in other parts of your body. Um, and then other people heard about me because I was the only dentist who was doing these types of things. And particularly um, with rheumatoid arthritis, I had two healthcare clinicians. Um, They're both functional uh, medical practitioners and they started referring all of their patients to me because they were doing everything else, but they had absolutely no idea what was going on in the mouth. So they would send these patients to me with these incredible, you know, they were doing all the blood tests, everything, serum levels, all of it. And they were like, look, can you just take a look in their mouths and just make sure that they're okay? And lo and behold, all of the rheumatoid arthritis patients had some element of gum disease and they had inflammation. And what we found was that when we were improving their oral health and um, reversing their gum disease, it was having really great consequences on their rheumatoid arthritis as well. That's it. That's incredible. And I, I'm always curious, like what direction the causality goes, you know, like, does RA cause you to have poor, you know, gum disease versus does gum disease maybe 
cause you to be more likely to have RA. So what, I mean, I guess, you know what, we should probably just start with the very basics. Sorry, I'm just thinking out loud. So let's, and then, then we can go into the, the nitty gritty details, especially with COVID, because I think that's such a hot topic right now. Of course, we're recording this in January, 2022, but what are some of the basic things people with rheumatoid arthritis should just know about how their oral health or their dental health is maybe, and their gums are affected by having rheumatoid arthritis? So, I mean, there's kind of a, a short term and a long term. So in terms of the short term, um, it's having inflammation in your mouth. I mean, we know that rheumatoid arthritis is essentially inflammation elsewhere in the body. Um, it's an attack on your own body, essentially. And so what we found is that actually that same inflammation and the same kind of idea of your body attacking itself is found in gum disease. So it is, you were saying, you know, is it um, one direction, which one causes which? It's more bi-directional. So if you have gum disease, um, you're more likely to have rheumatoid arthritis. But also if you already have rheumatoid arthritis, it's going to get worse. And if you have rheumatoid arthritis, you're much more likely to have gum disease. That's kind of the more, I would say, the very simple short-term um, thing where if you are diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and you're early on, um, the, in my opinion, one of the first things to do is make sure that your oral health and your hygiene is absolutely optimal because you are at a much higher risk of getting gum disease, um, decay, because a lot of the time the medications that you're taking can dry your mouth out. Um, and so if you have a dry mouth, you don't have saliva and saliva is extremely important for lubricating the mouth, but also it's antibacterial and it will reduce your risk of decay. So no saliva means no kind of attack or sorry, no defense system against any sugar or anything like that. And then if we go into the more long term, um, there will be patients, unfortunately, who may be diagnosed quite late on with rheumatoid arthritis, patients who are not able to um, brush their teeth as well as they may have wanted to, um, purely from a kind of a physical issue. And um, again, for those types of patients, it's kind of a self-perpetuating cycle because you're more likely to have gum disease, but you can't brush your teeth very, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. So if you get into very good habits from the very beginning, um, I would recommend that you see your, your dentist much more regularly than you would have usually um, pre-diagnosis. Then when, God forbid, your rheumatoid arthritis maybe gets worse, you're in a much better position um, to take care of yourself and you won't be as kind of, you won't have as much inflammation in the body. That, that's so helpful. And I honestly think it's, it's not something that most patients are told. I mean, I certainly have a family history, not of rheumatoid arthritis, but of, of um, you know, gum disease and just kind of, even with good oral hygiene, still having some complications. And so um, I didn't even know, you know, that my, some of my, personal dental issues were related whatsoever to rheumatoid arthritis. It didn't make any sense to me. Like you just explained it perfectly, but just, you know, no one necessarily took the time earlier. So I'm, I'm so glad that we're doing this to educate patients. And so you mentioned that the inflammation, that's like the overall disease process for rheumatoid arthritis, where the body is, you know, mistakenly attacking healthy tissue, like includes the body in rheumatoid arthritis, attacking the previously healthy tissue in your gums. Is it, and then what, what happens with the actual teeth? Is that more the issues with teeth in rheumatoid arthritis come from the 
dry mouth and lack of saliva. Okay. Okay. I'm just trying yeah. to break it down in my head. So really is, I think, cause I think if you're like, again, I think of my, my dental routine is like, okay, I'm brushing my teeth and I'm flossing my gums. Like those are like the two, you know, kind of goals. And, um, and so they're, they are both separate processes though. And really, really important. Like you can't make up for, or is this right to say you can't make up for poor gum care by just brushing more? Like you have to actually floss. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing yeah. what my own dentist has told me. <laughs> no, no, hundred percent. I mean, um, a lot of people think, I mean, brushing twice a day is the absolute basics. And if you can brush twice a day, well, then you're actually doing pretty, a pretty good job. You'll be shocked at how few people brush their teeth well, or for two minutes or twice a day. Like there's, everyone says they do it, but they don't. And mm -hmm. uh, more importantly, the flossing is, is extremely important because 30% of bacteria is actually stuck in between your teeth. So every time you brush your teeth and you think, wow, I did a great job today. You've actually only removed 70% of the food and bacteria and there's still 30% left. Oh my gosh. You know, what really convinced me? I mean, I am actually very in general, like I'm, uh, by nature, like a compliant person, like, you know, in, as a child, I like did what the teacher said. And like, so, I mean, I try, you know, I, but I was good about brushing and I would floss, but I would do it halfway. Like I would just be like, nit, 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 like not really paying attention to what I was doing. And like, you know, flossing, not flossing the gums, just flossing kind of the bare minimum. And, yeah. um, and then, yeah, the, the dentist explained what you just said, like, you're literally like you're getting a C, like you're getting 70%. Like you're not, you know, you want to get an A. So like A student people like me are hopefully convinced by that. But, but, and I think that the, the, the barrier it sometimes is, um, is the physical act, right? When you have hand pain, stiffness, soreness. I remember when my dent I said, oh, I'm using these, um, picks like these little floss picks. Cause they're easier for me to hold than wrapping a piece of floss around. And I remember my dentist saying, oh, it's really better to wrap it around. But I'm like, then you have to say cost benefit analysis. Like if I'm actually just not going to wrap the floss around my fingers, cause it's uncomfortable, it's better to at least get that floss pick, um, up there as much as I can, you know, but, um, what I, I know as an occupational therapist, there's a lot of like gadgets and, and life hacks for, um, flossing in particular and, and brushing, but from your, since you've been working with um, RA patients as well, what are some of the things your patients have, have told you that, that help them? Or what are some things you've discovered that help them with the physical uh, act? So because generally, um, they're, you know, patients with RA are maybe not as, um, as you were saying, they cannot brush or floss as well as they would like to. I always reduce the recalls for any patient who has been diagnosed with RA. So that means that I'll see these patients far more regularly for hygiene visits. Um, I'll actually usually book them longer as well, because I just feel like if they can't brush well enough at home, at least someone should be getting into those crevices and cleaning every three to four months. Um, and the, the, one of the biggest problems with gum disease, and this is why I think there's like this kind of very nonchalant, like, oh, it's fine. I've, I've never flossed and I'm fine. It's okay. Is that, um, it gum disease is caused by a combination of a few factors. One is having bad bacteria in your mouth. And that's usually caused by, you know, um, poor oral hygiene or maybe a diet filled with carbs and sugar and et cetera. Um, but also a very important one is actually your host response. So how your body reacts to bacteria 
and um, etc. And so not only in RA, but in a lot of different kind of um, medical issues, um, as we maybe get diagnosed with things like diabetes, with Alzheimer's, with arthritis, with etc., our body's ability to fight at anything is reduced. You know, so um, for example, if you have even diabetes, you're much more likely to fall ill. Um, if you grow older, you're more likely to get pneumonia. And so it, gum disease is exactly the same thing. So you might've been chilling until you were 45. You're like, I don't know what they're talking about. I don't need to floss. I don't need to brush my teeth. I've never had a cavity and I'm great. But if your body's immunity starts to get impaired and that host response is reduced, then you, it will kind of spread like wildfire and it can get really bad really quickly. That's, that's so good to know. And it really is one of those ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure things, right? The more you can get it. And I will say that, you know, my gums used to bleed um, every time I would, you know, go to the dentist. And once I improved my technique of flossing, um, I still using, I'm calling them picks. They're like little pieces of plastic that hold, you know, the floss for you. And then, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then I I also use, there's also a thing that's like a little stick. It's, I think it's the brand is just gum, like GUM. It's a stick that has like a little swirly thing around it. So that you just put it between after flossing. So like my dental, my routine is like five steps. It's like, I, I brush with a sonic hair, then I floss, then I use the floss pick. Then I rinse with the fluoride rinse. And then I put the this thing, Clin Pro 5000. I don't know if it's an American thing or if they have it over there, but it's like a fluoride just that you're supposed to put on at the end and leave and leave on. You don't, you don't okay. rinse it out. Um, and once I started being, instead of just doing a two-step, like just brush and floss, when I started doing not just flossing, but improving the flossing technique to actually floss the gums, not like get all the way around, hug each tooth on each yeah. side. Um, it, I don't bleed at all when I go to the dentist now. So I'm just saying that to the people who are like, it can feel this sense of like defeat. Sometimes I'm just, maybe I'm projecting, but you know, I remember at one point going to the dentist, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so like I'm being so defensive right now. But I was like, I know people lie when they go to the dentist and they say, I'm like, but I'm telling you the truth. Like I brush with the Sonicare twice a day and I floss every day. Like, let me like, what else can I be doing? And that's when they were like, it's not enough just to f- floss to check it off your list to be like, do, 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 do. you know, you have to yeah. actually really floss. It's like, um, my, my dad used to say to coaching me in sports practice doesn't make perfect. Only perfect practice makes perfect. Like in the sense, like you can do something over and over. And if you do it poorly, it's not helping you. So sorry, sorry, a little, but a little side note there, but, um, but no, hundred percent. Yeah. I just want people to know that you can, you can improve it. Even if you have these risk factors, I know you're saying that too, that you, yeah. you that you can, another, uh, yeah. Another thing that I do with, um, with my RA patients is, uh, I mean, you were saying that you use a Sonicare toothbrush. So I think an electric toothbrush is a, is an absolute must, um, for any patient really, but particularly those who may have impaired mobility or are not able to get to the very back teeth very easily. Um, an electric toothbrush just, it, helps you so much um so 
there's a few that on the market which I really like. I like the ones which have small toothbrush heads. I'm not going to advertise any brands, um, <laughs> but we know the big dogs, uh, the the big dental companies, and they've all got pretty good electric toothbrushes. Just make sure that your electric toothbrush is um, rechargeable, so not the battery charged ones. You need to have an actual charging port. Um, ideally, why, one why is that better? Oh, sorry. Um, so actually it's just not as effective. So the, the battery charged ones do not have the same movement and the same intensity mm -hmm. of vibrations. So you want a chargeable one, um, with a small toothbrush head. So nothing too big. Um, the idea being that with a smaller round head, you can kind of reach each tooth and give each tooth its kind of TLC that it needs. Um, as opposed mm -hmm. to a really fat toothbrush where you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I just brushed the whole side of my mouth and you actually didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, so small head. Um, obviously change that head maybe about every three to four months. Um, and then also if it has a pressure sensor, I find that really great as well. So you can see when you're brushing, definitely watch yourself in the mirror, um, time yourself for two minutes. Most toothbrushes have timers now, um, but the pressure sensor will blink red when you're brushing too hard. And some patients have the, um, the inclination to brush a little bit hard thinking, oh, if I brush hard, I'm brushing well. And actually there's, it gets to a point where you start brushing away your enamel and you brush and, and it's actually quite dangerous and not very good. So you want a pressure sensor, which will kind of train you to brush at exactly the right pressure. Um, so that's, you're completely hundred percent right with that one. Floss, um, if you can use a string of floss or a floss harp or both, some people use floss at the front and then they use a harp for their back teeth whatever works for you. That's how I, that's what I do because I, um, I find it difficult to get to my wisdom tooth. So I use one of the harps. Um, and then in terms of toothpaste, because you may have a dry mouth because of your medication, um, I would go for quite a high kind of highly remineralizing toothpaste. So, um, one that has a lot of calcium, phosphate, fluoride, uh, I know that I'm sure I'm getting all the time these days, a lot of patients are fluoride free. Um, and that is a whole debate that I'm not going to go into. But um, what I do give, I always give an option of a fluoride free toothpaste too. all I am concerned about is that it's remineralizing. So it needs to have calcium and phosphate and hydroxyapatite. If it's not going to have fluoride, then you need to at least have those minerals inside your toothpaste. That, that's super helpful. And the thing I would add for the toothbrush, um, in addition to obviously, you know, using a vibration one, um, or electrically vibrating one, that's good to know that I happen to have a rechargeable one. I was just curious why the battery one was not the optimal, but, um, there are gripping aids. So if you still have a hard time grasping the electric toothbrush, um, there are aids. I have one called easy grip or easy hold, and it goes around either corner of your device. What it goes around anything. It's like a universal thing. So you can put it around a hairbrush or a toothbrush and you slip, it ends up. So you can just slip your hand through. And then it looks like a little, like a, it's effectively like a Velcro strip, but it's actually made out of plastic. I, I can show you as this is terrible to try to describe this on a podcast, but the uh, life hacks are like so essential, but it's like very hard to put them into words, but maybe I'll put a little visual aid along with the show notes for this episode. But um, there's also things called like a universal cuff that are used for like spinal cord injury when people really don't have, they can maybe move their shoulder, but they can't move their hand very um, precisely. These gripping aids are great because then you can use those like gross motor movements and kind of get it into your mouth. Uh, if you, if you don't have that grip strength or you just have too much pain. Um, so, so yeah, that's just another thing to think about. And there's actually a, um, 
a lot of people find that wider grips are helpful. Like think, you know, that's why we have like a wider grip toothbrush, but for floss, usually it's a tiny little pick, right? Or the harp, but there are, um, I actually have one that I, I mean, I've been meaning to do a video on it's, it looks like the bottom of a toothbrush, like a wide toothbrush. And at the top is the floss harp. So it's like a wide grip flosser for people who, again, um, either from like a deformity or just from, you know, pain and stiffness can't really get that full, like pincher grip with their thumb and their pointer finger. So those are some, some other things. And the other thing I was going to ask, cause my husband bought one of these and then like, just one of those things that we just, he didn't use it. Um, but the water picks, what do you think about water? Like water flossing? Is that as good as real flossing? <laughs> No, it's okay. not. I mean, a water pick is is a great adjunct or an addition to your, um, you know, classic brushing and flossing. Um, and particularly, again, if you're having limited um, kind of mobility and, and issues gripping things, maybe a, a, a water pick would work quite well. However, it's not, um, it doesn't get in between the teeth as well as a good old fashioned piece of string does. So floss will always win in my heart. Um, but you know, if a patient wants to have a water pick as well, and they feel some people are like, Oh, I feel so great after I use my water pick. I'm like, yeah, go for it. Do your thing. Like if you enjoy, it's not causing you any trauma or anything, but it's just not replacing your need for flossing. And it's definitely not replacing your need for seeing the hygienist. And I think some people are like, I've got a water pick. I don't need to see the hygienist. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's, it's not the same thing. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree. Like the, especially the scraping that they do, that's very specific. I'm like, I don't think I could, I could do that. And so, so I'm making a little list as we're talking, you know, the most important things for people to do with RA for their dental health. Like we have brushing well, twice a day, flossing well, using the right toothpaste and obviously controlling their overall inflammation or their overall disease activity. And then what about, um, like, diet in terms, I know diet is a giant rabbit hole. We could go down just in terms of disease in control, but what about like, um, what things do you recommend in terms of, I mean, obviously I know that I'm told, you know, don't eat too much sugar or don't put, leave a lot of sugar on your teeth. You know, like if you're yeah. going to have something sugary, the thing, one of the things my dentist told me is just rinse your mouth out really well after like even just swish with water after you eat something, even something that's not quote unquote, like an unhealthy food, like raisins, they're mm. healthy because they're like a natural food, but then they just grind into your, the spaces between your teeth and leave sugar on them. So anyway, what would you say about dietary contributors? <laughs> um, so what I do with a lot of my patients is I'll, I'll look at their, the bacteria in their mouth and I'll specifically prescribe um, or recommend certain foods based on the bacteria that they have in their mouth. So for example, oh. if they have high levels of a certain, the bacteria is called Fusobacterium nucleatum, I will recommend that they actually have green tea once a day. Um, so generally I can't give like, you know, a, a general diet. It's all kind of a bit more specific, but Green tea is really high in catechins, so it's quite good for, um, it's a very good anti-inflammatory. Um, turmeric is also great. They stain your teeth, but if you're coming to see the hygienist every three to four months, you should be okay. Um, I also, with supplements, what I um, recommend, particularly in RA, is um, the classics. So you've got your calcium, your vitamin D. Um, I mix K2 in there too, so that you've got better absorption. Um, but also CoQ10. So I've actually, I'm actually publishing a paper 
um, well, right now, um, uh, right before this, this, uh, this podcast, I was just like editing and, and rejigging things. But basically what we're finding is that um, CoQ10 or coenzyme Q10, or it's also called um, um is a really great um, antioxidant and a great supplement for um, gum disease and for inflammation generally. So it helps to combat oxidative stress um, and inflammation in the body. And what we're finding is that it's actually as a result, because gum disease is inflammation, it's improving um, results massively um, in gum disease patients too. So I'm, I'm all up for CoQ10 as well. Wow. I just had to Google that. I don't think I'd ever <laughs> heard of it. So that's really, that's like hot off the press. Thank yeah. you. So, really <laughs> exciting. No, there's an so insider much. secret for you guys. Oh yeah. Wow. We're the heard first it here first. <laughs> wow. Oh, that's so, yeah. Cause I think so many patients including myself are like, you know, just tell me I want to do everything I can. I mean, I even asked my dentist once because I had gotten a couple of cavities and I was getting really frustrated because I was just like, I'm literally, you know, it's a hard feeling to feel like you're doing everything right. And you're still having issues, you know, and, um, I might talk a lot about acceptance on the podcast. Like at a certain point, it's important to come to a place of like, this is just what it is. Um, but you know, I said, look, like if I need to come and like private pay to come like more frequently, I'll come every like month or every two weeks, like what town, you know, like it's hard, um, to feel like, you know, you don't have that many things you can control, but things like you just mentioned, you know, different supplements and knowing that what you're, um, like what's prescribed for you is actually based on your unique microbiome. That's really exciting. Is that something that's available in the U S do you know? Like, I don't, I haven't heard of anyone doing that here. Okay. I'm going to clone you and bring you over. (laughs) Well, that's the, I mean, um, I'm aware, no, there are dentists who definitely um, treat patients in a much more holistic way. Um, And I work with some of them and they are based in America. Um, So there's one called Ask the Dentist, Dr. Mark Burheen. He's pretty cool. Um, There's a few, Stephen um, Lee, there's quite a few, but they they don't do microbiome testing and like trying to alter your bacteria, but they see you, it's, it's kind of a new trend in dentistry. It's called like functional dentistry, holistic dentistry or biological dentistry. And it's this idea that just like functional medicine, where it's a little bit maybe off the beaten track, um, where we're kind of like, actually sometimes Western medicine is not a hundred percent the, the answer. And if you can combine it, you need to know the knowledge and you need to understand Western medicine, but sometimes like diet, nutrition, um, you know, habits, those types of things are far better than just throwing medications at patients and hoping that, you know, they're not going to react to them. So it's a kind of a, it's a growing um, kind of group of dentists. And um, there are a few in America, but as far as I'm aware, no one does um, microbiome testing or um, modulating the bacteria like I do. But definitely, if you're in America, you should um, check out Ask the Dentist. Um, He has a website and he's got like a directory of lots of of all the different dentists um, around the world who kind of think in the same way and, and will treat you in maybe a more holistic manner. That, that's really helpful. And, you know, I know that in, in a lot of our previous episodes, we've kind of had a theme of like, it's not either or, you know, it's both and like, you know, I think, why wouldn't you want to know every tool at your disposal? You know, I've certainly had a really good reaction overall to to Western medicine. And, you know, I feel fortunate to have been diagnosed during the era of modern medications that have totally 
change the core, you know, change the prognosis for rheumatoid arthritis, but that doesn't mean that there's that, you know, that it's a hundred percent solves all my problems all the time. Right. So, um, well, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, like I, um, I'm, there's like a huge spectrum, right. You've got those, you've got the, the very, um, I don't know the class, I don't know what type of doctor to call them, but the ones who just, if you come in with a headache, they throw painkillers at you. And if you come in with a, you know, you're tired, they give you iron and they're constantly just throwing things at you. And part of that's because of the, you know, um, insurance and because of the way that healthcare is and big farmers and all of that. And then you've got on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, some people who quite frankly are, I, I don't agree with the way they practice either, where they're all about kind of um, oils and, you know, seeds and extra extracts and stuff like that. And you're like, actually, no, this patient's got like heart disease, like they need more than like, grapefruit like you know what I mean and so there's a very good like there's a middle where the the clinician will assess the patient will give them the medication that they need but also try and get down to the source of it and, you know if you're tired yes give that patient iron if they need it but why are they tired what is going on in their life like is there something that needs to be kind of looked into in a deeper way and I think that's the way that medicine and dentistry is going down where it's kind of more of a personalized uh, medical or dental treatment plan and you're actually looking at the patient as a person not just as a insurance claim or something oh that's a that's a mic drop moment there for Sorry, sure that got really deep no <laughs> i i <laughs> totally i totally agree like i'm just like yes preach um, and and yeah i think that it is interesting it's just fascinating that like dentistry is its own separate area like i remember seeing someone make a, a funny meme that was like, you know, like, here's the human body. And it's like the mouth, like, that's what the medical doctors look at, but it's like, oh, not the mouth, definitely not the mouth. No, no, no. That's a different, that's a totally different thing. But, um, but anyway, but yeah, there's yeah. this huge, huge surge of like functional medicine, people in the Western medicine world and who have got people in the Western medicine world who have gone to like functional medicine yeah. or integrative medicine. And I, I guess I hadn't, until I saw, I met you, met you on Instagram, I hadn't seen any <laughs> other dentists go that that route, but it totally, it totally makes sense, especially if in autoimmune diseases, I know it's not just RA, but other inflammatory, you know, diseases. It, I know a lot of my listeners now that I'm on this um, <laughs> tangent, um, a lot of listeners have either like ankylosing spondylitis or axial spondyloarthritis or um, psoriatic arthritis is, are those, do those have a similar relationship with gum disease or is it, is it more specific to rheumatoid? Or do you know? As far as I, I don't know. Um, okay. As far as I'm aware, no, not the same. Okay. Um, there are specific things like with ankylosing spondylitis where um, like there are certain ways that we might treat the patient differently in the chair just because they might not be able to go back the same way. Mm -hmm. But um, in terms of the pathogenesis and how the disease is caused and whether or not gum disease would contribute to that, I, I don't think any research has been done. But rheumatoid, there's, there's a lot coming out right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I know every year when I go to the American College of Rheumatology Conference, I always try to catch some of the presentations on the microbiome and rheumatoid arthritis in general, which are usually trying to kind of come to an understanding of what dietary, you know, contributions. So what, what can I eat? Right. Like the other day, I'm just like, tell me what to eat. So I know what, uh, what to do here, but um, what is the microbiome? So not everyone knows what it is. <laughs> Okay, so um, similar to your gut, I think the gut microbiome has had the, the, the spotlight for many years. 
everyone knows they've got microbiome, they all take probiotics and they're all drinking their kefir and all of that. But um, you've actually got multiple microbiomes um, all around your body. So your skin is one of your microbiomes. Um, you've got your vaginal microbiome. Um, and the one I'm most um, interested in is your oral microbiome. So that is your mouth. Um, it's everything inside your mouth. It's the heart, it's your teeth, it's your tongue, your gums, your cheeks, you, the roof of your mouth. Um, and interestingly, the oral microbiome has um, the second largest number of bacteria um, the first is the gut. So it's got about 700 different species of bacteria, which make up 2 billion bacteria in your mouth alone. Um, wow. Now, what's interesting about the oral microbiome is that it's got lots and lots of different niches. It's got, it's like, imagine it's a, it's got multiple homes in the same, like, you know, area. So you've got, because in the mouth, you've got teeth, which are hard, and it's actually the hardest substance in, of the body. And then you've got the tongue, which is you know filled with all these taste buds, and then you've got the um, your tonsils, which you know, and, and if you can imagine bacteria and where they would like to live, you can imagine that bacteria would want you know different bacteria is going to live on your teeth, then um, under your tongue and on the side of your cheeks. So you have a very very um, varied uh, microbiome in in the mouth, and you've got lots of different types of bacteria. Um, can, I, can I just stop just for one quick quick second because I don't think everyone knows what am I, what the word microbiome means. It's just the organisms that live in a place. Is that right? The microorganisms, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so like exactly. the microbiome on your skin is like all the little, you know, are they just bacteria or other, you know, other little things living on there. And so you yeah. mentioned that there's a vaginal microbiome, there's the gut microbiome and there's the oral. So I just, I just want to make sure, cause it is the kind of word that gets thrown around, but some people might be like, what actually is it? Yeah, so, okay. yeah, in a hundred percent. This is super helpful. Um, and so what the what's weird about the oral microbiome in particular is that it's constantly subject to attack. Every time you drink, you eat, you smoke, um, you breathe, everything you do, you kiss, um, you name it, it usually is entering through your mouth before it goes anywhere else. Um, and so that means that the bacteria in your microbiome in your mouth are constantly changing, they're evolving, they're trying to fight off all of these attacks. So, you know, if you're smoking 20 cigarettes a day, you're gonna have very different bacteria to someone who, um, you know, is sugar-free vegan and has never touched tobacco in her life. So it's, it's very different between people. Um, and the reason why the microbiome is such a hot topic, any of the microbiomes, your gut, everything, is because the bacteria, they um, work together in um, sometimes in what we call symbiosis. So symbiosis means that they're, they're working together, they're a happy family. Um, you know, you've got your 700 species and they're all this like great family and they love each other and they're feeding off each other and they're breaking down food and sharing between each other, et cetera. Um, but then what can happen is sometimes, and you have bad bacteria, sorry, in that. Um, so you've got your bad bacteria, your good bacteria, the good kind of keep the bad in place, the bad bacteria give the good bacteria something to do. You know, it, it's like a whole little ecosystem going on. But what happens is if you start to introduce bad habits, um, smoking, drinking, eating bad things, or um, you're taking specific medications, um, or you genetically are more predisposed to having um, specific bacteria in your mouth, or you have a systemic disease of some sort. So 
for example, rheumatoid arthritis or um, other diabetes is a really big one, cardiovascular disease, et cetera, it will actually change that balance. And so all of a sudden there'll be more bad bacteria than good bacteria. And the good bacteria can't control the bad bacteria. And that's when you start getting destruction. And that bad bacteria can cause a lot of, it can release enzymes, which can break down um, bone or tissue in your body. It can release inflammatory markers, which can cause inflammation, not only in the gums, but also this chronic low-grade inflammation, um, which can travel through the rest of your body, which is why rheumatoid arthritis is quite a big issue or situation there. Um, and there's so many different kind of connections with all of the bacteria and how they interplay with each other. Um, so everyone's kind of role or a dentist's aim is to get achieve symbiosis and to get that bacteria into a good place. And that's why everyone takes probiotics for their gut because pro and biotic means it's good bacteria. So they're drinking or eating lots and lots of good bacteria, hoping that they, they slide that kind of equilibrium back into symbiosis and they have a happy, healthy gut and life. <laughs> yeah. And they there live you go. That's your 101. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super, super helpful. And I know that there's so many studies. Yeah. That, that, that the microbiome is, you know, in people with rheumatoid arthritis is, is out of whack, you know, basically to put it bluntly in the microbiome and the oral microbiome, or sorry, the gut microbiome, the oral one. And from speaking from my personal experience, the skin, you know, can also be affected. So the more we can do to, to promote that symbiosis, obviously we want to do everything we can, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think, or at least most patients, most patients do. And then we get to the point where we're overwhelmed and then we're like, ah, I can't do anything more. And then we just take a moment and then, and then get back into it. So I, I'm just curious. I know that you have a lot of special like training that you've done additional research and training into, into this, but in general, does it, it is, um, a general dentist trained to, um, treat people with rheumatoid arthritis, like, and understand their, their needs, or is it, is it something that like when someone's looking for a good fit between them and their dentist, do you recommend that they find someone that has like specific experience with conditions like rheumatoid arthritis? Um, well, so no, I mean, every dentist should be trained to be able to treat, um, pretty much all, um, all kinds of disorders or disease or anything. Um, there are specific ones which may not be able to, you know, for example, um, I have a patient coming in tomorrow who's got Parkinson's and I'm not sure if I'll be able to treat her because she, it, and it's, it's a, you know, because she, she can't stay in the chair. So there are, are there are specific situations where dentists are not trained. I'm not trained to treat that type of patient. And so they will need to go to the hospital to be treated um, and probably under sedation, you know, those types of things. But um, as we were saying, you know, I don't know, about 10 minutes ago, we were talking about how medicine and dentistry, um, it's interesting how it's kind of been like chopped off and like the dentists were like, great, we'll take the mouth and you guys take the rest of the body. But we actually have to learn um, about all of the, um, you know, all of the medications. I remember, so the first two and a half years of dental school are exactly the same as medical school. So we actually learn all about, you know, the pathogenesis of different diseases, of different disorders, everything. So technically every dentist should be able to treat any RA patient. Um, if I would say that when you're choosing your dentist, um, you wanna choose one that is maybe more preventatively based. So someone who is very hot on, you know, hygiene and trying to, and understands that whilst you may be okay right now and everything seems dandy, that you are at a higher risk of, of things going the other way. 
And so to be a little bit, you know, over the top with the prevention and just like I'm 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 a bit extra. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, oh my God, we need to change your toothpaste, we need to change your toothbrush. And it's, and they're like, no, but I'm fine. I'm like, yeah, you're fine now. But I want you to be, you know, I, I want you to be good for the rest of your life. And I don't want you in 10 years time to then come with me and and you've got four teeth falling out your mouth. Like I don't want that. So that's where I think um it's you need to choose someone that you're happy with and that you trust and maybe is a little bit more preventative than aggressive like cosmetic dentist who just wants to veneer everything you don't want that yeah thank you I'm, I realized I was kind of putting in an awkward position I just I was I wanted to reassure people that uh it is part of the basic training of their dentist so they don't if you're if you're happy with your current dentist you don't need to like run out and and no. find someone but at the same time, it, it is important to know, like, like you said, what are some things to look for? You know, someone might be moving or they might be, man, I'm not really the most happy with my dentist. So, um, um, and I think, and, and I have a friend who's a dentist and yeah, she's always making sure people know, yeah, it's basically the first couple of years are medical school. You know, you're, yeah. you are a doctor, it's just doctor of dentistry, you know? So, yeah. um, um, but I think another thing that I, that, that a, a good sign I usually look at is like, um, you know, whether the dentist, like, I, I always want to remind them of the medications I'm on. I want them to really understand that I have rheumatoid arthritis. I'm not just, you know, especially when I was a little bit younger. I mean, I'm 40 now, but you know, like I, you might just look at me and think, oh, there's nothing going on, you know, but, yeah. um, and like when I had a couple, like, for example, I once had a conversation, sorry, this might be helpful to someone listening where I had two teeth that needed fillings side by side. Um, and, and they were in the very, very back. And we had this kind of, at first the dentist was like, well, let's just do them at once, like at the same time. And cause it's like, then you don't have to come back a second time. You don't have to be numbed up a second time. But then it, they ended up taking so long that so we ended up doing that. But my jaw was so sore that afterwards I was like, you know what, next time I know from your standpoint of like having to numb me up and make an appointment and everything, it, it makes sense to do them at the same time. But for me, that was worse because then my jaw mm -hmm. was like, and I had like actually a huge bruise. I never bruised before after like a dental procedure. So anyway, it's like things like a dentist that'll like work with you to problem solve, like, okay, maybe next time we'll do two separate appointments, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And just like with a regular, uh, you know, your primary care, your rheumatologist, someone that you can actually have a relationship with that doesn't, like you said earlier, doesn't just see you as like patient number 42 or, you know, yeah. Exactly. And Dollar we'll remember signs. these things. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This is, oh, uh, this is all so, so helpful. Is there um, anything else that you, that we didn't touch on that you want to say to the audience, mostly of people with like inflammatory forms of arthritis, um, but some with juvenile, you know, idiopathic arthritis or some just loved ones and family members of people with arthritis. Is there anything else that we didn't touch on? It's, it's okay if there isn't. Um, I think well, I can tell you quite an interesting case study if that would be sure, of interest yeah. to anyone. Um, We're all nerds, that's I, good. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 this was what really opened my eyes to the connection between RA and, and gum disease. And I was just like, oh my God, like, like it, it was just, I don't know, like dentistry can be, it, it's very fulfilling and I love my job, but sometimes, um, you know, it's difficult to, like people don't love, to see me no one's like oh I can't wait to see my dentist who's gonna numb me up and like you know annoy my gums or call give me a root canal or whatever it is and this was one of the first times where I was like oh my god I've actually really helped someone here and, and like 
without sounding dramatic, like may have helped change their life. And so I had a patient, this was uh, about two year and a half ago. Um, she was being seen by a functional um, practitioner. Um, she had been diagnosed with RA about 10 years ago. And then um, about two years ago started, she was really sick and tired of just being, you know, medication after medication. Um, she could, basically was, she had quite severe RA. She couldn't really walk properly anymore. She was getting massive Baker cysts constantly. Um, and she, like, she had no energy. She was, and she was very depressed. And I think part of the, probably as from what I've heard from what you were saying, a lot of the problem is kind of acceptance and understanding that like, it's not your fault. And unfortunately, like this is, you know, you need someone who can hold your hand and to, to help you because it's, it, it's not because you, you know, had a terrible lifestyle or habits. And I think that's kind of maybe the most frustrating thing from what I can see for patients. Um, but she was yeah very depressed and just like not happy she decides to go down an alternative route goes to this functional medic who um changes her whole diet nutrition um adds lots of supplements to her she's on quite heavy steroids and very heavy painkillers as well um which is also altering her mood and then um she was getting a little bit better but not that great um, then her functional practitioner was like, Hey, you should uh, meet my friend, Victoria. She's a dentist. Um, but she does a lot on like bacteria and the microbiome. And she was very into this kind of thing. So let's try it out. Um, so she comes and sees me. She'd lost 10 teeth, um, within two years of having, um, two years within those two years that I'd not seen her, um, to get 10 teeth. And oh she gosh. was really upset. Um, and she had quite bad gum disease on the rest of her teeth. There were a few which were like, oh, we don't know how long these are going to last in your mouth. Um, and she had exactly, she was like, I brush every day. I brush twice a day. I floss, I'm doing everything. And like, I'm just so annoyed. Um, and so we did a microbiome test on her. We found that she had really high levels of certain really bad bacteria. Um, so I um, added a few supplements, changed a few things, made her use some specific mouthwashes to get rid of the bad bacteria. Um, she, I recommended she actually brushed her tongue. She had a really, um, and that's another thing, sorry, by the way, a lot of RA patients will have very furry tongues, um, and that can harbor a lot of bacteria. So, um, get a, yeah, get a tongue scraper. Don't brush your tongue, scrape your tongue. Scrape. Um, brushing (laughs) will actually increase, make your tongue a little bit more furry. So it's weird. It like, yeah, it's weird. So scrape it scrape your tongue okay. um okay. you can get these good metal like a um, stainless steel scraper the antibacterial ones um, online and stuff that's what I recommend anyway so she scraped her tongue where um I was doing a lot of treatment on her and we were doing something um which is called guided biofilm therapy so this is like um spraying the gums and the teeth with an antimicrobial spray getting rid of all the plaque and bacteria and etc um long story short um, we then did her microbiome test a couple of months later and her microbiome had like uh, amazingly improved um, and she was back to normal again. And I was also doing a lot of other saliva tests on her. So we were looking at her, um, her collagen breakdown in her mouth and collagen is what makes your gums and also a lot of your joints as well. And the cartilage, et cetera, is all connected through the collagen. 
Um, so if you have high collagen breakdown, that means that you have gum disease occurring in your mouth. Um, and it can also be an indication of breakdown of cartilage or et cetera in the rest of the body. And so when she started, she was, her level was 80. And to put things into perspective, you need to be less than 10 to be healthy. Above um, 60 is very bad. So she was 80. It was the highest I've ever seen. Um, and she, she was very good patient and she was coming in constantly. Um, and basically six months later, she had everything retested. Um, and she was off her steroids, off her painkillers. She was walking. She was actually cycling. Uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> steady tiger, but okay, go for it. <laughs> She's showing off now. Yeah. I was like, whoa, okay. I don't need the cycles work, man, but you're, she was cycling and she was super happy. Um, and she now has an oral hygiene routine that she can maintain. She sees me every four months. She has not lost any teeth since she's seen, been with me. Um, and we've basically gotten to like the, the, the base of the problem, which was all this high bacteria and et cetera. And what I was really impressed with was the fact that had I been doing this alone without the help of a functional practitioner, this wouldn't have worked. It has to be in conjunction with someone else. And he was looking at her CRP levels, her inflammatory markers, um, even her ACPA, like everything had went down significantly to the point where she's, she's completely stable now. And it was just, it's, it's just an amazing thing that I, I'd never thought would have been, um, would have worked, but it really did. Um, my first question is, did she have to change her diet or was it all just the oral hygiene and the, you know, diet too. So diet that, too. it was right. a two, it was a two pronged, um, approach. So the, um, functional practitioner was doing all of her nutrition, et cetera. He put okay. her on a lot of, he cut out her caffeine. He, he put her on some anti-inflammatory foods, you know, like really upped her, I don't know, turmeric and those types yeah, of things. Yeah. She had a lot of blueberries. I remember. Um, mm -hmm. and I then I was, yeah, and then I was at, on the other side, um, just focusing on her mouth and saying, look, let's do this and that. And the reason why the oral health component was quite important was because she'd been seeing this health, this functional practitioner for six months before me. And whilst, and she wasn't, she was improving, but not much, mm -hmm. but the moment that the, her mouth was taken into consideration and just something as simple as like brushing better having a good hygiene, you know, those types of things. And I had to teach her how to floss. She wasn't flossing correctly. Like you were saying, it's quite, it, not everyone's taught that. Um, and something as simple as that was able to completely change her whole kind of prognosis. That's, that's amazing. And the only reason I asked is just because I think that would be the question on most people's minds would be like, oh, wait, can I keep eating all this crappy food and then just change my, no. you know, no. <laughs> darn it. We're Americans. We're always looking for the loophole. <laughs> no. Wait, so if I come to the hygienist every three months, I can just eat lots of chocolate and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. all the bad things. Oh, that's so amazing though. That's so, I really do think, yeah, we tend to like separate different parts of our body, right? It's like, okay, our joints are something totally different than, than our our mouth, you know, and even like going to different specialists, like reinforces that, but really we are part of one overall body system. And one of the little just offhand things, some, I did a training, I, I, I learned from a training on fatigue for, um, occupational therapists. And one of the just offhand things the presenter said was, um, that always stuck with me is like inflammation 
doesn't like to stay in one place. Like if it starts in your joints, it doesn't like to stay there. It just travels, you know, but yeah. So they said, you know, inflammation doesn't like to stay in one place. And that was kind of like a clicking moment in my head. Right. Cause that, that explains why the inflammation might start in your joints. They can travel everywhere else, like to your brain, to your mouth, you know, to your gut. And that's the same. It goes bi-directionally. Like you said earlier, you know, from your mouth, it doesn't like to stay in there. And I actually, I knew that obviously there's collagen, like in your connective tissue and your joints. I didn't know is collagen was in your gums. I never heard that. So that's super, super, super helpful. All of this is amazing. I know that the audience is going to be wondering where they can find you. Of course, I'll put your links in the show notes, but can you uh, tell them your Instagram handle or whatever, where you would like them to go to learn more about you or follow you? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I have an Instagram called at Dr. Like Dr. Um, Victoria Sampson. Um, I like to post quite, I mean, that's how we met um, was through my post on RA and gum disease. But I like to post quite a lot of like fun facts and research on multiple inflammatory diseases and their connection with gum disease. Um, I work in central London. So if any listeners are in London um, or in England, you're more than welcome to swing by and say hello. Um, yeah, that's wonderful. No, I really, really appreciate you taking the time, especially in the middle of doing an academic paper. I feel like I, <laughs> that was brain. a great break. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> you're like blowing our minds and you're like, oh, this is the easy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so much. I know that everyone listening has learned so much. And I, I think that, you know, we can ch- transform the experience of going to the dentist from kind of this depressing experience to, okay, you know, there's actually more stuff that I can do that I didn't realize. And it can, I will say just from my own experience, it can definitely be a little bit fun when you get to the point where you're like, Hey, I've really improved my flossing technique. And now we're seeing the results, you know, and yeah, be something you celebrate with your dentist. I'm not going to say 100%. it's going to make everything fun every day. It's like a massage. It's like a, yeah. that's what I, I, I mean, I hope it's like a massage, but the first few times that you come, if you've got bad gums, it's, it is going to be painful. And I'm not going to lie. Like I'm not a very nice dentist when it comes down to like, I want to get rid of whatever's underneath your gum. So I will get in there and I will do it. But once you maintain that, it should actually be a pretty fast and relatively relatively like pain-free appointment because I don't need to go underneath your gums because you've been cleaning. So nothing's getting underneath there. You know, that's, that's the, the goal that everyone should try and aim for. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you so, so much. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I think it's amazing what you're doing and, and creating such a great community. So it's yeah. Keep on doing what you're doing. <laughs> oh, thank you. You too. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This episode is brought to you by Room to Thrive, a membership and support community where you'll learn how to develop your own Thrive toolbox so you can live a full life despite your rheumatic disease or chronic illness. Learn more in the show notes or by going to www.myarthritislife.net. You can also connect with me on my social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even TikTok. Check out the links in the show notes.